One of the things that I struggled with in my divorce were what I called the old tapes playing through my head. Things from childhood, things from society that continue to swirl around again and again. Things like you're a failure, you're not good enough, nobody will ever want you. No one will ever pay attention to you again. Well, my guest today is Sharon Mosley. She is a therapist and an expert on women's issues. So listen in while Sharon and I talk about these old tapes and what we can do about them. Listen in. Hi, beautiful. I'm so glad you're here with me today. And I'm at I'm just so excited because my guest today is Sharon Mosley, and she's a mental health therapist. And boy, do I have lots of questions for her. She's a licensed clinical mental health counselor supervisor, and she has over 20 years of experience. So she certainly has enough experience to talk with us today. She's currently licensed to practice in North Carolina and Arizona. And she's the owner of the Fit Talk, where she offers counseling and health coaching services to individuals and groups. She has experience providing individual, family, and group therapy for those struggling with a variety of mental health issues, including uh, the the terrible uh, anxiety and depression, and that happens so often in divorce. And she also holds a health coach certification, and she is committed to healthier living and believes that one of the best ways to approach it is to walk and talk your therapy. So I'm so excited to have her today. Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining me. It's so good to have you. Hi, Beverly. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is this is really exciting. And to give... The listener's little background is that in my coaching, so many of my clients were working through the emotions of divorce. What I find is that those emotions may be tied to something that's happening right now, but they frequently are also tied to something in their past, an experience in their childhood or something in their past. And when I try and contrast what a therapist does and what a divorce coach does, I see the therapist as working with issues in the past and very specifically focused traumas, domestic violence, uh, childhood issues, those kinds of things. And a divorce coach is really future focused and kind of goal setting approach. So that's why I wanted so badly to have Sharon come today because of this um, commonality where these emotions seem to come up from nowhere. So, um, so Sharon, can you, um, can you just elaborate a little bit on this concept of what is meant when you say that our past can resurface during divorce? Absolutely. Um, Beverly, I think you raised some really, really valid points with that, that oftentimes what's happening is when we experience something um, as, you know, dramatic and traumatizing as uh, experiencing a divorce is that there are some issues that for some of us, we may felt as though that they had been dealt with or resolved. But as it turns out, when you experience a divorce, 
you realize they haven't and they resurface again. Uh, mm-hmm. You can say that there is a trigger. And so mm-hmm. those could be those emotions that you start feeling or those could be those stated or implied um, uh things that occur in terms of you may start to feel a little helpless or worthless or dismissed, or you may also feel as though uh, there isn't any point to any of this. Um, My life doesn't have much meaning without this person because what happens is sometimes early on in life, we have been told those things or they have been implied. And so again, For some people, it may have felt as though those issues had been resolved or they may not have been resolved and then they resurface during something like a divorce. Absolutely. And I found that in in my particular case, some of my past issues were low self-worth, low self-esteem, that the only way I was good was by getting attention. And so those things also drove me to the very person I married that then I divorced from, that if I had really stepped back, had I done the healing work, and had I been able to look at logically what I wanted in that ideal person, I probably shouldn't have even married him in the first place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I really struggle with that. And that's another reason this topic is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you really hit the nail on the head because so many women that in particular, those that have been married a good while mm-hmm. kind of have this identity of wife, right? And yes. that's who they are. And when divorce comes, that label goes away. And so, so what happens to them? Mm-hmm. When they find themselves in a situation like that and they no longer have that identity, well, before they even reach the point of actual divorce, when they feel like that's where things are headed, sometimes uh, it can trigger these anxious thoughts of, well, what oh. will I do? And also when you have someone that is in your home that is saying to you, you're not going to make it without me. What will you do without me? You can't do anything without me. And so when you have to have that on repeat, then it really you start to buy into it and you start to believe it and you start to think, well, he's right. What will I do? What I can't do anything. Maybe I need to stay. And you start to second guess yourself. And so you because this is the one title that you're uh, very comfortable with, and that is that of being a wife. And that's something right. that you feel that you know. And so it does leave a really, it can leave a really big gap. Hi, everyone. As parents, we often have gut feelings when something just isn't right. And this can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. 
The system's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test, so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. To sign up, Soberlink's offering $50 off your device for our listeners. Visit www.soberlink.com empowered, and that will be in the show notes as well. And so then you have to, you know, think about, and I think this is really where you come in, Beverly, is to start thinking about the future. Well, what does my future look like? You know, what, mm-hmm. it, what kind of future and life can I have after the divorce? And we know that you right. can have, you can be very prosperous and uh, have a fulfilling life after a divorce. But those are the questions that come up. And I think sometimes as a therapist, you know, we have to deal with what is that question is rooted in, because often that question is rooted in something from childhood or some earlier experiences. And, and, and yeah. what happens with this partner is that they just come along and reinforce whatever that is. On the surface, it appears when you first probably meet and early on in the marriage that this person will compliment you and take you away from all of that. But what you start to yeah. find out later is the thing that leads to divorce sometimes is that actually what they're doing is reinforcing that very thing that you were trying to get away from. Exactly. Oh, so, so true. So, so true. Um, I'm thinking of many women that I talk to seem to be dealing with a lot of emotional and verbal abuse, just like you said, people putting them down. One client I had today told me that after she told her husband that she wanted a divorce, he told her nobody would want her. She wasn't good enough. She would be a single mother with two kids and nobody's going to want that. Tell me a little bit about um, how how that triggers things. Mm-hmm. Because, again, oftentimes that's something that they've heard earlier in life is that, you know, look at you. Who would want you? Um what are you going to do? Or also, it could have been something that was modeled for them in a relationship that they saw. So oftentimes, the very first relationships that we experience um, is that of our parents. Whether that is a healthy or unhealthy relationship, it's our very first experience with what relationships look like. So if you are the product of an unhealthy relationship or you saw one of your parents involved in an unhealthy relationship, we start to get the idea that this is what it looks like. So that oftentimes can be where it stems from. And when we hear that in our own relationships, we, again, we can buy into that, to that thought. And we start to go back to that time and think about what that relationship was like for those people. And maybe they decided to stay for a length of time. And so we may think that, well, then we have to just stay and just stick it out. Or maybe that's what we were actually told. Well, once you get married, you just you stick it out. You do it for the good of the kids or you do it because you need a, a home and financial stability. And so we sometimes buy into that. Right. I think I think that is so, so true. So many people say that even though they're miserable, they're not going to get a divorce because they're staying together for the kids. But I don't think they are thinking about 
what messages they are sending to the kids if that home is miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that sometimes it isn't it isn't in the kids' best interest to stay in that in that family unit intact. That's a very good point because kids are really uh, uh, perceptive, right? Like they understand yeah. whether you tell them or not. They clearly see what's happening in the environment around them. They understand more than what we give them credit for what's happening in your relationship. Uh, and so that does uh, weigh on them and have and, ha- and also it has an impact. Even when you mentioned earlier, um, Beverly, about uh, having the low self-esteem, right, and low self-worth. Well, oftentimes the other argument is that, well, you know, this marriage will provide me financial stability. And so mm-hmm. I don't have the skill set or to do these things without my spouse. So we don't give ourselves enough credit for all the right. things that we can do and the skills that we do have and, and what we actually bring to the table. And also we discount when we walk away or step from away from this marriage, what, and this will go into the legal side of things, uh, that we can get other supports and resources in terms of attorneys to help find out what exactly will I be entitled to. So I right. think that, again, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Yeah, I think there's a perfect example that I see a lot, and that revolves around finances. And it's women that feel like they don't understand math or numbers or finances, so they turn everything over to their husband. And in doing that kind of reinforces that they don't know. They Maybe they were taught when they were younger, girls aren't good at math and boys are or something. Mm-hmm. And what sometimes results from that is financial abuse where the person that had complete control did things that the spouse was totally unaware of mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they gave him total control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, that's certainly it. I have a quick question for you that I'm just curious about, and it doesn't really have to do with past issues, but I see all of these initials, LCSW, and I hear MSW, and I hear licensed psychotherapist, and all these names. If I need to work on deep past issues, let's say self-worth, self-esteem, who should I turn to and what? who are these different people? Very good question, right? Because that's like an alphabet soup and it can it be confusing. It really is, yeah. Okay. So when it comes to um, my credentials, I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor. Um, that okay. can be used interchangeably with someone who is a licensed professional counselor. Um, someone who is a licensed clinical counselor. So we have all had basically the same training, but we may hail from different states. And based on their state um, board, they may have a slightly different name, but we have probably had basically the exact same curriculum. So that comes down to just kind of semantics. So then you also have... um, MSWs. Those are with a master's degree. And by the way, we all have to have at least a master's degree in order to be licensed. And so then you have a MSW, which is a master's in social work. But if it doesn't have the L on it, then they're not licensed to practice as a therapist. They are still social workers, but they're not practicing as licensed 
therapist. So if they have the L on it, they can do that. And they will be doing the basically the same things as the other alphabets that I just mentioned. Then you also have the psychologist. Psychologists, again, they will do the same things as the other alphabets. Now, what the difference is with the psychologist, someone that is a, say, clinical psychologist, not only are they doing therapy and psychotherapy and therapy are used interchangeably, but a, a licensed psychologist may also do testing. So if you have uh, a need for testing for, let's say, uh, for learning disabilities or for autism or something like that, then we may refer you to the psychologist just for the testing portion, but they could also gotcha. do therapy also. So a, a licensed social worker, their curriculum is really steeped in family systems. And so when they were originally founded, it was around the idea of, of sort of like case management, case work and connecting mm-hmm. systems. And so that's something that they do really well, but they can also do therapy as it relates to um, licensed professional counselors, licensed cl- clinical counselors and licensed clinical mental health counselors then our curriculum is based on theories of counseling and theoretical approaches. So again, we can all do the therapy, but those may be the slight differences. Gotcha. So, and licensed also means that they, they, they are um, attached to a state. Like you said, you're attached to practice in North Carolina and Arizona. So that's yes. what your licenses are. Yes. Okay. And we do not gotcha. practice across state lines unless you are a psychologist that is a part of the psych um, pack, which you can practice across certain state lines, but you have to be a part of that. Now, my credential, we are in the process of uh, having a compact that will start at the beginning of 2024, we will be able to practice across state lines with other states that are part of the compact if we apply to be a part of the compact as, as, as uh, individuals. So, wow. uh, and, and that's because there's such a shortage um, in the U.S. With, um, with therapists across the board. So that's what's happening. As far as medication is concerned, you will need then to see an MD, which would be your um, your practitioner, your general practitioner, or a psychiatrist. Gotcha. They specialize in mental health, but they can also prescribe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fascinating. Fascinating. What do you say to someone that, let's say, has been in therapy for a number of years and they go, gosh, I dealt with all that back then. I dealt with my mother. I dealt with those messages. And all of a sudden it's coming up out of nowhere. Why is that? What do you say to that person? Okay. I will say it's just like um, when you first learn how to acquire the skill, you learn how to, um, I don't know, let's say you learn how to, to swim when you were younger. And okay. then you spent, I don't know, 20, 30 years out of the pool. 
and you get back in and you started thinking, oh, I can still swim, but I've lost some of my skill set here. So maybe I need a refresher because, you know, I need to get back to this again. So it's the same thing. You can deal with something early on in life, but what has happened is over time you change. And when you change, then you may need to deal with that again, or it may rear its head again because things have changed. And that's okay because whatever your needs were and whatever your abilities were when you were a preteen would be different than your needs and abilities when you are an older adult or even when you are someone in your 20s. So that's okay because you are at a different phase of life now. And so you have to address different needs. Absolutely. I'd like to think of it, too, as almost like peeling layers of an onion, mm-hmm. that there's certain issues that that go very deep, that my mind and my spirit are only capable of handling so much at this moment. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I've resolved it. Yes. But then a little bit of time goes by and all of a sudden it's coming up again deeper and deeper. Yes. And um, I can I can absolutely totally understand that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about um, some of the messages that were sent that were growing up that might affect us in marriage and divorce. Can you share any others that come to mind? Any past messages? I like to call them old tapes uh, that are playing um that you can think of. I know one that used to come up to me a lot was I'm a failure. That one would come up a lot. Many people feel divorce is a death sentence, but with the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. It can also be a time of growth and progress. As a divorce and empowerment coach, I'm an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, learn skills to help you communicate and negotiate, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I, I think that will certainly resonate because those are some of the old tapes um, that do tend to come back again. You know, that I'm a failure, that right. I, I really don't matter, um, you know, that, you know, my life has a little meaning, uh, that. It's my fault. That's a big one. You know, somehow this is my fault Um, because if it was not for you, if it weren't for you, then we could have done X, Y, and Z, you know. And so sometimes the guilt of something that really isn't your fault can come back, you know, something that um, probably it was not stated that it was your fault. But maybe you interpret this as being your fault. Something occurred um, with another family member and you Mm -hmm. carry that guilt around forever that somehow this was this is my fault. And so then when this occurs, because also, too, oftentimes the very person that we are divorcing at some point was the very person that we shared all 
or most of our intimate thoughts with and yeah. that may know us better than just about anyone. And so when we get to that place where we may no longer be friends, this person may know all of the buttons to push and they may start to bring those things back up again because they know that you are sensitive to these issues, that it can leave you in a vulnerable place. And so then again, um, this is how we uh, are being emotionally attacked oftentimes during that process. It may not be physical. It may, it, 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 you know, it may on the surface seem benign, but this is what's happening because they know some of these things that nobody else knows about us. And so that happens. One of the questions that I hear a lot of women say is, why is he doing this to me? Mm -hmm. Any insight on that at all? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big, uh, that's <laughs> a big statement, right? So why is he doing this to me? Well, okay. You talk about peeling back the layers. So one side of that is certainly it may feel like a personal attack. And sometimes it very well may be a personal attack. Other times this is, or has very little to do with you than it does the other person. This is about something that for themselves that they have not resolved or dealt with. And this is the way that they believe that they keep and gain their own um, power and control. And so then you become the target because you're in close proximity. Gotcha. So I, I have this, Yeah, I have this saying that in those cases, now true, there are some personal attacks, but I have this saying, he's not doing it to me, he's doing it for himself. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Because I think, you know, in a lot of cases, the reason people attack is to bring that person down to your own level, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some other reasons people attack another? Another reason that uh, that people attack, um, I, I think, again, it kind of goes back oftentimes to their own insecurities. You know, if I'm not secure yeah. in who I am, then this is a way to, you know, also bring you back to my level. And then this is also, again, for maybe some pain that I have felt that I feel that, I need to inflict upon someone else because someone else needs to know or even pay for the pain that I felt for things that have happened in my life well before you um, were a part of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I knew a woman who was married and then divorced and she had been divorced from her husband for eight years. And she was the most bitter and angry woman I had ever met in my life. She used her child in the divorce. She was nasty, name-calling, all kinds of things. And eight years after their divorce, she said to him that he hadn't suffered enough. Two years later, she died of cancer. And I know you're really into the whole mind, body, fitness, health kind of perspective. What are your thoughts on that kind of situation? I think it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, of course, not 
personally knowing her medical history, anything like that. But it's uh, it could be an, a prime example of how what's happening uh, in terms of you emotionally, how it can have a physical impact. You know, and yeah. we talk about this correlation between mental health and physical health, but it it's real. And if you let some things fester and not uh, heal from them, it just shows you how they can. It literally, in this case, it can spread like a cancer. It can really impact you in other areas of your life in a physical way. You know, and not just uh, in terms of cancer, but you know, in heart attacks and strokes. Mm-hmm. You know, in chronic okay. pain. It can really manifest. It really can. Mm -hmm. I heard a statistic that 27% or women who were divorced have a 27% higher chance of developing breast cancer or uterine cancer or ovarian cancer than a woman who's not divorced. That Mm. to me is very tragic. Very tragic. Yes, that really is. Yes. Mm. When a woman is the victim of verbal abuse, mental abuse, those kinds of things. I think it really harms her ability to uh, manage her divorce, if you will. What, what, what advice do you have for the woman that's, that's heard for years and years all of this negativity kind of coming at her? You know, I, I like to just um, at first acknowledge that it um, it takes a lot of courage to even show up to to say out loud that this is what's happening, that this is what you've endured. And I try to reassure my clients that whatever you feel is real. If you <laughs> feel this, this is real. You are entitled to all of your feelings. There isn't anyone that can tell you how to feel and what to feel. And also know that this is not your fault. Mm -hmm. This is not your fault and you are not on an island. Because so many times I hear women say that I thought it was just me. I thought I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And I assure them you are not on an island. You are not alone. And I know that you are not alone because you're talking to me right now. So that says that even if there isn't anybody else in your corner, you have one person in your corner because the fact that Absolutely. you and I are talking is a uh, validation of that. Absolutely. How do you think all these messages affect a woman's ability to make decisions during her divorce? All of the negative messages? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really, it's overwhelming. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we start to buy into those messages. It can be, become really overwhelming and, uh, and, and, and almost paralyzing because you start to question everything. Mm-hmm. And so, so once you, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, once you kind of discover that what you're feeling has roots in your past, what should you do? If you were feeling that way, I think that that's a good idea when you, um, Beverly asked earlier. So, you know, what are all of these alphabets? What does it stand for? I think that if you can reach out to, uh, to one of these, um, people with, with, um, any of these alphabets behind their names or a good friend 
or a good divorce coach or a, an attorney, but reach out to someone that you feel that you can trust. That starts you on the right path. Good, good. Talk about it. Get it out in the open. Get, get to that one person. And then from there, they can say to you, okay, this I think is a great place to start. And then also after you process some of this, they can direct you to the next person, right? Like that may be yeah. you, that may be the attorney, or they may start with the attorney first or you first. But I think if they can get to any of us, you know, then we can help uh, give, give that support and give them guidance to the next step. Yeah, I think that just is a is another strong plus for a divorce team. Mm -hmm. to bring mm -hmm. in just the people that you need to help you with your situation. Absolutely. One of the things I'd love to ask my guests every single time is to come up with three actionable tips that can help a woman. And since we're talking about past issues resurfacing and affecting their divorce, what would your three tips be? Okay. Um, I think that one of the things as we just mentioned is that that they reach out to think about that one person that is supportive and reach out to that right. one person that is supportive. Um, I, I think the other piece of that is if they for themselves can can start some kind of planning. Now, whether that planning is something that's written down or something that they're just starting to think about, but be thinking about a plan. Um, that's really important. The third and thing. What's the plan for? What's the plan for? I think to think about the plan for what's next. What's next okay. for you? Because if you are at the place where you're feeling like there's a lot happening and you're considering this, think about for yourself well, what do I want to do? Like, Am I considering moving forward with the divorce? Okay, so I probably need to have some sort of resources because, you know, I may have to get an attorney involved, a, a divorce coach or a therapist. That's going to require something. I may have um, to, you know, if I have adult kids or even younger, I may have to notify my kids. I, I may have to notify my aging parents you know, like I need some sort of plan. Now, when they get to the next person, they will help them more or less solidify that. But I think going in already with somewhat of a plan will give them a, a sort of a foundation. And I think the third thing to do is if they can take a deep breath, Stop <laughs> yes. for a moment. take a deep breath and breathe. Because in the time that it uh, takes to do the deep breathing, it also allows you to reset. And to really be able to focus on making contact with someone and starting this plan. Wow. Such good, good points. So, Sharon, how can our my audience and our listeners find you when they want more information? I am listed just about everywhere as The Fit Talk. So you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on um, Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn as Sharon Mosley, M-O-S-L-E-Y. You can also visit my website, thefittalk.com. And 
you can give me a call. 919-695-7170. So you can really reach me a variety of ways. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Sharon. I've thoroughly learned it and enjoyed it and learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me. All of Sharon's information, her phone number and her links will be available in the show notes along with mine. You can find them at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com on the podcast page or Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also see our video version on our YouTube channel, Her Empowered Divorce. Thank you for being with Sharon and myself on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. And join me next time where we'll be diving deeper into what another expert professional shares that can help you on your separation and divorce journey. Remember, most of all, you don't have to go this alone. We're here to help. Thank you for joining me and take care. How do you navigate divorce without destroying family relationships or finances? I'm Jamie Davis, board-certified family law attorney, mediator, and host of A Year in a Day Divorce Without Destruction. On my podcast, I talk with everyone from marriage therapists and financial planners to private investigators and parenting coordinators to uncover what you need to know to have the best legal and emotional divorce experience possible, though it's not legal advice. Tune in to A Year in a Day, Divorce Without Destruction, every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. Remember, divorce doesn't have to be a death sentence. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. And it can also be a time of growth and empowerment. A divorce and empowerment coach is an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. And be sure to check out my other episodes of Her Empowered Divorce podcast and resources on my website or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This will help me reach out to more women in the same space so you are not so alone. I appreciate your support. Until next time, take care and stay empowered.